welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 45, Massimo. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And Annie is not going to join us this for this episode, I don't believe. So we miss Annie, and, and I'm sure she would have some good thoughts on this subject because we are talking about Massimo this week and sort of preparation leading up to our big discussion of season four here in about a week. Dawson commented, can we talk about his terrible shirts? Because they are offensive to me. I cringe when I see them. And I see a couple of people agreed with him. And I agree as well. I hated Massimo's shirts generally. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of just as well that Annie's not here yet, because it would basically be 20 minutes of you and Annie, like, ragging on Massimo's shirts. <laughs> they were not, they were not good. I know one of our, one of our listeners, Sally, really thought Massimo was a sharp dresser, but I, I can't, I can't back you on that, Sally. I, I, they were not visually pleasing to me <laughs> i think at least one of them i actually kind of liked just because it was kind of it was kind of crazy it's like a little it was much but i kind of thought it suited him <laughs> this episode comes with a spoiler warning if you have not seen through the end of season four there are some major spoilers that we talk about in this episode so if you have not seen through at least episode 411 end of the line you will want to Stop this recording and come back to it after you've seen that episode. Massimo kind of had, I feel like he, he his story kind of had two parts to it because he was introduced at the end of season three as, well, first we didn't know really who he was. He was this kind of sexy, mysterious guy hitting on Kenzie in Hail Hail. Right. I think there'd been previous mention of the Druid. Right. But we didn't know that they were one of the same quite yet. Yeah, when, when Acacia first popped up in Delinquents, uh, she mentions to Tamsin that, you know, the druid would make the rune glass potion all work once she got all of the hairs that she needed. So I think that was the first mention we had of the druid. But then we didn't actually see him until the end of season three. And then he continued as sort of the creepy druid guy at the beginning of season four. And I actually really liked that storyline. It was obviously sort of a, a metaphor with... Massimo being a drug dealer type figure to Kenzie. And it really actually reminded me of Willow's storyline on Buffy during season six. I know I talk about Buffy a lot. I'm sorry. I was going to say, really? Something on <laughs> Law School reminds you of something that happened on Buffy? I know. It Shocking. never happens. But I will say, I really did not like the magic equals addiction storyline on Buffy, but I really liked this wanting to have fey powers equals addiction on Lost Girl. I thought it was was done pretty well. And partially, I think the reason I liked it better was it was briefer. It was not a drawn-out storyline. Right. And I think part of the thing, I'm going to be somewhat side commenty here, that the thing on Buffy is that it wasn't always magic equals addiction. It started out as, like, magic was love, and then it kind of <laughs> became magic is addiction. And then I went, wait, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Gear shift. Right. You know? Right. And people found that problematic that it went from, well, Chris put it a little more demurely, but it went from magic equals lesbian sex to magic equals addiction. And that was kind of problematic for some people. But but we did not have that issue on Lost Girl. It was consistent in sort of what it was representing the entire time. And I know some people didn't care for that storyline for Kenzie. They didn't like how kind of 
disempowered and vulnerable she was in especially the premiere and in memoriam because of Massimo. And I can get that because this is a show about empowered women and we want to see our female characters empowered. But at the same time, I don't mind seeing women, you know, the women being vulnerable as well, as long as it's not that women are just always in need of men's help all of the time. And I thought that this storyline actually made quite a bit of sense for Kenzie, considering the experiences that she had with Bo in season three, with Bo kind of going more into her fae world and becoming less attached to her humans. Right. I mean, season three did really set up the storyline of Kenzie's searching to be fae, basically, or at least not feeling as vulnerable as she had in season three. Rohan also mentioned... I really liked the Massimo Kenzie thread. She wanted to be faced so bad she did not listen to her spidey sense. So we have Massimo at the beginning of season four in sort of this this one role. And I really, really liked Massimo's storyline at the beginning of season four. Like I mentioned, I thought it was a good storyline for Kenzie. I really liked the scenes between Tim Rosen and Ksenia Solo. I thought they were really good and interesting. And then he comes back at the end of season four and obviously, you know, perpetrates something really, really terrible and is now kind of this crazy pants sociopath with mommy issues. And that section of his storyline didn't work as well for me. Sort of like we were talking about with the the Willow storyline, sort of, and the magic on Buffy. It, it kind of, it took a weird turn, <laughs> you know, because it started out, I mean, as you were saying, he was sort of this sort of smooth, smarmy guy. And then suddenly he's pretty crazy pants. Mm-hmm. So when when Mosmo comes back, he's, you know, dialed up to 11 and has just lost it, which, you know, kind of makes sense. He did burn. What does he say? He says it very Jesus-like. Seven days, something like that. Something like that. In the, in I don't the lava pit. Exactly. And, you know, it makes sense that he would come back with some mental health issues. But, um, yeah, for some reason, that the end part didn't really work for me. And then Walbush says, can we talk about the only side effect of swallowing the almighty seed is premature graying? Yeah, I guess that was maybe another thing that didn't really work for me in regards to Massimo's storyline at the end of the season was that I kind of thought the origin seed would be a bigger deal, maybe, and it was kind of unclear to me how it worked. I did think it was interesting. They introduced the idea that, well, they confirmed that Massimo was the Morgan's son. They had hinted at that at the beginning of the season in Lovers Apart when he helps her fix her eye. But I did really find the idea of Vex raising him interesting. I think it really challenges our ideas about Vex in a lot of ways. And so I kind of liked that. I did like that suggestion. I wish we had had more time with that. It was really only in that one episode. We had no sense that Vex had any idea who this guy was prior to this one episode. And then he wasn't in the subsequent episode. He wasn't in the finale. And I wish maybe Vex had been in the finale with Massimo. So I liked the idea of Vex being a stepdad to Massimo, but I wish it had been executed differently. Yeah. And then I've got to say, you know, (sighs) It's kind of, we we had that scene where, oh, he's Ebony's son, and Vex was his adopted father, essentially. And I'm thinking, what is this, Once Upon a Time? People who watch Once Upon a Time will get that. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> 
But, you know, Massimo as the one of the big bads at the end of the season was kind of an interesting choice given that this season the humans in our in our group of friends ended up being very important. We had Lauren take down one of the most powerful figures that we've seen during the course of this series. We, Lauren took down the Morrigan. Uh, I know, went down on the Morrigan, same thing. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, Kenzie is the one who oh is responsible for saving everybody from Purpose. So we have our, our human, you know, parts of the gang being very, very important. And Massimo is this character who was really persecuted for his humanity and, you know, he becomes a big bad and ends up, you know, getting, getting himself killed. And, and so it's, it, I guess it was interesting for him to be one of the big bads considering that sort of dichotomy. Cause here you have these humans who were very valued by a group of Fae and they ended up doing really sort of, you know, being sort of an important part of the group. Whereas you have Massimo who was really isolated and, and ended up crazy pants and, run through with a katana. And it's kind of interesting because come to think of it, you know, we had sort of anticipated that the humans would be the ones to take down the Unamens. Mm -hmm. And then we were, I think, all kind of disappointed when that didn't happen. But they did defeat their respective foes in the last couple episodes, now that you mention it. So, mm -hmm. so that is kind of interesting. And I think maybe this this whole thing sort of you know, we've talked a couple times this season about the looking glass self type thing, where people essentially become as they're treated. Mm -hmm. So we've sort of got this again with with Massimo and the other humans too. The the ones who are valued become valuable members of the team, and the one who is shunned, you know, tries to destroy the world or whatever. So at the beginning of Dark Horse, where Lauren is, you know, tied up to a fence and Massimo is digging her grave all melodramatically, but not very threateningly. I did not just, I just did not find him threatening. <laughs> Lauren makes a crack about nature versus nurture when it comes to him. So we thought, you know, that was kind of an interesting place to talk about him because especially in that last episode, you have sort of him put as a parallel to Bo. And I hadn't really thought about it until that episode, but you have, they had very opposite experiences because here we had a, a human who was an offspring of the Fae being raised by the Fae, whereas we have Bo who was a Fae who was raised by humans. And both of them felt out of, out of place, but Bo managed to find this really loving and supportive community of friends and family. And that steered her steered her toward who she is today. I think Bo was still a good person when we found her, but more troubled and clearly accidentally killing people even though she didn't want to. And then you on the other hand you have you have Massimo who clearly did not turn out so well. Yes. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> even, you know, the nature versus nurture situation going on here, really either way Massimo's screwed. Right. And, I mean, the idea of Vex as a father figure just kind of freaks me out because of the comment about how I used to stab him with forks. I mean, that's upsetting. But at the same time, it was interesting to me to see the interactions between Vex and Massimo because they did have, like, a tender moment together. It was clear that Vex did have some kind of tender feelings toward this guy, even though he was this 
weird human who got dumped on his doorstep by the Morrigan. Oh, it's just, it was, the the deck was stacked against Massimo, you know? I kind of wonder what might have happened to him if he'd ended up with his father, his, his biological father. Right. Of course, we have no clue who that is, so... Some guy on Wall Street is what is all that, you know, the Morgan suggests, but yeah. That's right, Wall Street during the 80s is what she said, mm-hmm. so... Which makes him a lot younger than I thought he was. True. Yeah, like like you said, either way, Mosmo's kind of screwed on this, because we have nature, him being related to the Morgan, who we've seen as a very ruthless, ruthless fae. And then in, in regards to nurture, he has, he has Vex, who also quite a ruthless fae. Uh, but it was, it was interesting to me, the idea that, you know, Vex was somebody who was willing to kind of sell out his entire family to kill, I think he says he kills several members of his family in order to survive and become, you know, the servant of the dark that he is. And this is the person to whom Ebony entrusts her little offspring. I mean, it makes sense given how thoroughly she disliked him, but at the same I was time- I today despises, but okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, really? This is the guy you pick? This guy screamed to you? Yeah, I think this would be a good, you know, adoptive father person. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm so confused by this whole situation. Uh, Dawson, I believe it was, pointed out that humans are pets to them, essentially. So Massimo wasn't necessarily treated like a child because they didn't necessarily view him as a child. So, you know, they clearly took kind of a, a an Oedipal approach to portraying the relationship between the Morrigan and Massimo. But I guess we should be glad they did not go full Oedipal with with Massimo's storyline because then Vex would might have might have been killed. And I know a lot of people would have been very sad about that because a lot of people like Vex. Of course, we don't know what happened to his biological father. True. He he might have killed his bio dad. That's true. Maverick says on Twitter, regarding Mosmo, I think many guessed regarding the Morgan being his mother, but it's only toward this the season end we saw his madness for her. And I think that's a good point, too, kind of going back to what we were saying, is I wish we had seen more interaction between Mosmo and the Morgan, Mosmo and Vex throughout the season, so that we could have a better understanding of sort of who he was as a person. Right. The scene in 403 with... Massimo and the Morrigan, it had sort of a weird undercurrent to it, but we didn't know for sure what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all super nuts like it was later in the season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we did get a hint of it because we had him. We, we do have the Morgan in that episode refer to being too lenient on his on her children and people. That was the line that really made people think, oh, is he her son? But that could have also been her talking about her being too lenient on just the dark fae who are underneath her, sort of in in the hierarchy of things. So it wasn't like this really clear, oh, this we're watching an interaction between Mosmo and his mother. Right. But and so really the the only hint of craziness we get in the beginning of season four is right before he jumps into the lava pit where he's like, you know, my mommy needs the Valkyrie hair. Now I have to go get it. Right. Which I think is when really everybody was like, so it's it's probably the Morrigan, right? Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, everybody had sort of been wondering from before, but I think at that point it's like, oh, there is actually some sort of mother figure in play here. What's going on? Right. 
But I don't know. Do you think, given what we know about Massimo, the fact that he comes from this background of being, you know, just completely cast away by his mother, having Vex as a, a parent, and as as Dawson pointed out, most likely both of them thought of him as little more than a pet. Do we feel any sort of empathy for Massimo? A little bit. Mostly just because that poor guy never really had a chance. Right. Because that's no way to grow up, you know. Right. And it, and it makes sense to me that his reaction to his re- his rejection from his mother was about, was to, you know, learn all that he could about the Fae. And this is kind of a parallel between Massimo and Lauren. They've both turned themselves into humans that the Fae find very useful. And, mm-hmm. and this was an avenue that he used to to get attention from his mother. And it seemed to work to an extent, but again, you know, did not get him ultimately what he wanted. Right. So Angela said, I felt bad for Massimo. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. He still needs some major therapy. Send M to the A the bill. (laughs) And we would if we could, but I think it's a little late for that in regards to the therapy, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I, I feel like... We as the audience, we really want to dislike Massimo because of the fact that he killed Hale. And I think that that's completely valid. But a big part of me, maybe because I'm a social worker bleeding heart, really feels sorry for this guy because of, of what he was born into and the lack of care and love that he got from people who were supposed to be his, his parents. And, you know, like, like, like I mentioned, right. he is actually a really excellent mirror to Bo because, you know, Bo was given to human parents who, while they did kick her out and it was horrible, they loved her and they raised her in presumably a loving environment. Bo even says as much to, to Aoife in, in the first season for at least, you know, the first right. 16 years of her life. And then she managed to find Kenzie and Lauren and Dyson and Trick and Tamsin and Hale in this community that she built for herself. So I do have a lot of empathy for Massimo, even though he turned out to be a, a you know crazy pants sociopath who killed people. Yeah, me too. It is the it is the sociopath part where it's like, well, you can't really totally forgive him, but because the murdering. But so Dyson, Dawson comments that empathy with Massimo is difficult because we don't find a reason to until after he commits heinous acts. Which is a good point, because he, he kills Hale before he, we learn anything about his relation, well, anything definitive about his relationship to, to the Morgan and to Vex. Right. So yeah, I don't know personally in regards to the kind of three big bads of the year. I, I feel like Massimo was maybe a bit of a dud in regards to being really threatening. But at the same time, I do find him interesting as particularly a human who got himself sort of in this situation. And I do find it interesting that two seasons in a row now, we've had a big bad who was a human who kind of became fey in some way. Yeah, I think um, Chris Holden-Reed had mentioned that at Dragon Con, the, the whole idea of the the fey constantly hunting other fey sort of bothered him. So it's sort of interesting that they've had the villains be be humans, essentially, or humans looking to transform themselves. So it's, it is kind of interesting to think of Massimo in comparison to Taft, because what really motivated Taft was Faye harming his brother and then nobody believing him and him becoming hospitalized and... Vengeance, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. It's a really vindictive, whereas Massimo is really fueled by this need for acceptance from his his mother. You know, he was aware of the Fae from when he was a little boy and just feeling completely outside of that world and wanting to be part of it. Right. Wanting to belong. So it is kind of interesting to consider that he was the guy that Kenzie went to to get powers when he himself so badly wanted to, wanted permanent powers. You know, he dangled this idea of permanent powers in front of Kenzie. But obviously he didn't know how to accomplish that. Otherwise, he would have done it to himself. Very true. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I'll just say again, I, I feel like what we learned about Masmo on the in the back half of season four was pretty interesting. I just wish that we had had more time to maybe explore some of that stuff that we learned in regards to especially his relationship with Vex, but also to learn kind of just more about him being a human born born to a fae with no powers. And, you know, I, I think it would have made for a more layered, big, bad type of character. Mm-hmm. Because that subject has come up before at various points, the children of one fae parent and, and all. And I think it would be an interesting thing to explore, but yeah, there sort of wasn't, there wasn't space in an already crowded season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did think he made kind of an interesting foe for Bo to face, uh, given what they did with her storyline, because at the end of the season, we see Bo get really separated from from her gang, kind of get derailed with her relationship with Rainer and facing Massimo, who hasn't had this really nurturing type of environment that Bo has had, really was sort of an interesting final confrontation for Bo for the season, for her to be able to articulate the way that she does in that scene, the fact that what makes her special is not the fact that she can suck chi. It's the fact that she learned how to stop because of of the people who love her and the people around her who support her. So he was sort of an interesting final foe for Bo in that regard. But I don't know, the execution was a little off for me. So it didn't it didn't quite it wasn't quite as successful as I think it could have been. That's fair. So let us know what your thoughts on Massimo were. Did you find him intimidating at all? What did you think about his storyline? We would love to hear your ideas. You can... What did you think of his shirts? What did you think of his shirts? Indeed. I will say, in regards to his shirts, I did like the outfit he was wearing at the bar in Turn to Stone. It's kind of like this light linen thing. I, I did kind of like that one. But please let us know what you thought about his his wardrobe, his crazy pantsness, his apparent sideline in, in, in dealing fey powers. We would love to hear your ideas. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at drinkswithadoll.com slash 45. You can also send an email to us at feedback at drinkswithadoll.com or you can send us a voice message by clicking on the send voice message tab on the right side of the page over at drinkswithadoll.com. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks with the Doll. My name is Stephanie. I am not as crazy as Massimo. My name is Chris. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.